Hello everyone, this is Kevin Fultz and you are listening to the very first episode of this podcast, The Grass is Always Greener. On this podcast, we'll be talking about a variety of things, life, advice, business, whatever it may be. But for this first episode, we're going to talk strictly business so we can give you all a rundown of who we are and the businesses that we built up. The co-host of this podcast is a very successful man and a mentor in my life and a friend and a neighbor, all of the above, Cody Tevis. He's 27. He's had his own business for years. He's just killing it. So with that being said, Cody, would you like to tell us more about your business? Yeah. um, So I started this small production company um, a few years ago really kind of how it all panned out was uh, I was in I was a senior in high school and I was in radio TV and I took this class just as an easy a just to kind of get my uh, credits in and I had uh, Tim Dench was was my teacher and we walked into class and he had uh, man versus wild playing on the projector all the lights were down and he's, if you know Tim Ditch, it's always a big fanfare. He's like, come on in, boys and girls, come on in. So really energetic. Yeah, just, yeah, he, he's he's all over the place, but he's awesome. And uh, uh, Man vs. Wild is playing, and Bear Grylls is hanging off the side of a cliff, and Tim Ditch loves uh, television. He's all about the production and uh, it's really like an art to him. So he's fantasized with the whole production. He's obsessed. Anything to do with any of that, he loves it. Yeah, he he's obsessed, and he was like, "You see, you see that guy hanging off the off of those cliffs? Uh, it's pretty impressive, right?" He's like, "Well, there's another guy right next to him, also hanging off the cliffs, except he's holding a 65 pound camera." and audio equipment, and cables, and he's hanging off the cliff. And from that moment, like, it definitely changed the way I watched movies and television and just, like, commercials and everything. And it really kind of made me uh, really interested in it. And that whole class went on to be just really, um, it was just really involved and really hands-on, and I fell in love with it all really quickly. So after that, something just kind of snapped inside of you and gave you that, initiative to just start pursuing that career and that passion because you saw it and you're like I want to do this now yeah and something about like storytelling was really compelling to me um you know I grabbed my church's Nikon D3100 I mean you could buy that camera for like 45 dollars on eBay right now probably with the lens and everything so started out with lower equipment. Yeah, and I and I just started shooting stuff for free. I was asking friends that were starting businesses and everything, like, hey, can I just shoot a commercial for you? I won't charge you anything. And I uh, just started doing low cost and free work, and um, it kind of just went from there. Everything really sucked. Everything I made sucked uh, really bad starting out, and uh, you just kind of learn and grow, and made my works my way through college with that small business and kind of helped me through college and uh, getting married and buying a house and 
I had some, there were times when I had full-time jobs uh, or part-time jobs in tandem with running Pursue Media and uh, also work right now and working in tandem with Pursue Media. I work in a marketing company right now and run Pursue Media. So uh, it definitely gave me uh, freedom of my time, definitely gave me uh, availability. Um, You know, there were times when I was just doing pursue full time and you know, you hear a lot of people say like, Oh, like be an entrepreneur because you can make as much money as, as you can or as you want. But that's not like, if you talk to any entrepreneur, like they're not doing it because it makes them an incredible amount of money. Yes, it can. It can. And that is a possibility, but that's not why entrepreneurs do it. They do it because it makes, gives them time. They're the captain of their, their schedule and it makes them available. Uh, and that's, that's really the biggest benefit in my eyes anyway. Yeah. So it's been more about leaving you time and freedom to do things rather than just about the money. But at the same time, it definitely gave you the money to get through college and help with your family and buying a house and all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean that's all definitely uh, a part of it. But you know, it's it's even just like you know a friend texting you, "Hey, I need somebody to talk to," yeah. and it, it, especially in that time when, like, college era, uh, when all my friends weren't so settled down with families and stuff, yeah. be like, "Hey, I need somebody to talk to." And it's the middle of the day. Yeah. You know, I wasn't tied down in a job. I could just go meet up with them and exactly. talk and be there for them, and, and it was kind of whatever. Or if I was, you know having a bad day, like, yeah. man, I don't have the mental capacity to just work right now. Yeah, you know, it, it would give me, yeah. uh, the freedom to kind of do that. So, so you were on your own time, which was probably your favorite part about it. Yeah, definitely the, the availability and the freedom it gives you with your time stuff in my favorite part. Yeah. Which I, I can strongly relate to that. Um, when last summer I started up my own landscaping business, I that was my favorite part about it as well. It was, you know, not having to listen to somebody telling you, hey, you need to be here at this time and you need to do this. Instead, you're on your own time. You know, you can take whatever job, you can do whatever job. You are not on anyone's time except yours, which definitely that's like a huge thing in life because, you know, if you spend your whole life working away, you're never going to have free time to do what you want and what you love, which I think that's a very important part of life is using your time wisely. So if you can find that one thing that you can do by yourself and figure out, you know, what what you have going on in the time that you have that's free instead of just working and working and working and working, that's like the biggest thing for me. Well, there's a really big misconception that people think that if I'm going to do something that I'm passionate about to make money, I have to stop doing the thing that pays my bills right now. Like it's this whole Gary Vaynerchuk like plague that's infiltrated our society of like, Hey, uh, if you want to do something, go quit your job and quit school and quit doing all these things and just go for it. And go into a bunch of business debt and just see if it works. Yeah, no. That's not sustainable. Like not it is totally reasonable and realistic 
and way more attainable if you stay at a nine to five job that pays your bills, that's steady, that's reasonable, and you build something on the side organically. And as interest and need grows for your product or service, that's when you buy more equipment or invest more money into it. You know, not to say you can't be successful by going in head first, but I mean, that is definitely not the only way. And people that demonize nine to five jobs, I mean, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and not everybody wants to be a careerist. Like it's, it's a, it's a spectrum and everybody's going to fall somewhere different on it. Yeah. Which I agree with that. I'm not, you know, saying nine to fives are bad, but it's definitely nice to get out there on your own and start something up that you love. But, you know, I made that, I made that same mistake by whenever I started up my business, I quit the job that I had and I just went for it. With that being said, I, I made money, but whenever I wasn't getting calls for the business, you know, I was in the hole. I didn't, I didn't have that job to go to and make that reliable money or anything like that. So, um, it's kind of a fine line you're walking when you quit everything you have and you just, you know, start up your own thing and go for it. I don't know if it's bad or good, but it's, it's risky. It's definitely way more risky doing it that way. I mean, really what it is, is it's a trade-off because if you're, if you're working a nine to five job, um, what you're dealing with is the pro, the ultimate pro is like, oh, my, my income is taken care of. I don't have to worry about making sales. Well, not unless you're in sales. <laughs> uh, I don't have the sales pressure, you know, but I don't have the freedom. Okay. So there's this like thing in you that wants freedom of your time. If, if that's what you want as an entrepreneur and then you take the leap and everything flips on its head. You have the time and the freedom, but now you have the sales pressure and the income pressure. And it's up to you to decide, up to you to decide which one of those is greater. Um, like I know for me, I, I was full-time with Pursue for a while and I, I, I went to find a, a full-time job at a marketing company because I, I personally, my mental uh, health couldn't take the income uh, stress, the sales stress. I couldn't take that anymore. I'm like, okay, I need some reprieve. I need to get back into a team again. It's not promised money. Yeah, you know, so it's just, um, it, it's 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 really, it's a trade-off. And uh, like you said, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just you're trading one thing off for another. Yeah, because, you know, when you're doing your own thing, you wake up, you don't know how much money you're going to be making this week, the next week. You have no idea. You don't know if you're going to be completely packed with a schedule and, you know, you're going to be rolling, constant business, money flowing. It could go that way or it could go, you get no calls, you get no business. What are you, what are you going to do? I know I, I did this, uh, I did business coaching for, I think like four or five months. And uh, it, it really helped me understand kind of like what you're saying, because I, I was such in that place of, man, I don't know what next week looks like for me. I don't know what next month looks like. I can't plan. And what this business coach that I had that really helped me, she taught me how to build out a pipeline. And 
anybody with like real business experience is listening to this, they're going to be like, yeah, you idiots. Like you got to have a pipeline built out. Um, but if you're just starting to get into it and like feeling this income pressure and not when you're knowing what your next week or few months is going to look like, learn to build out a pipeline. And the basic layout of a pipeline is you're writing down any leads that you've possibly had, uh, in, the, in today, as of this moment, where anybody that's reached out about a quote or an estimate or any sort of question for your business, and either you haven't responded e- anywhere from that early on to all the way till um, a proposal, just so you can gauge how much business is actually in the works and having it written down. Um, so anytime somebody's reaching out for a lead, instead of considering them a client, once they've paid or signed something, consider them a potential client and get them written down in a pipeline so that you can see that in front of you and really start following up. So instead of being like, oh, you know, I only have X amount of dollars signed and paid for for this month, you can look at a pipeline and say, oh, okay, X amount of dollars has been signed and paid for, but also I have X amount of dollars that could be made if I follow up with these people. So it really helps helps with that. Helps. So you're saying having a list of the follow-up customers that isn't a done deal, but you still need to get back with them and you need to check up on them. You got to call them. Hey, do you still want this done? Yeah, it's, um, and, and really if, if you don't have a business coach or if you're starting your own gig or whatnot, um, man, they're so helpful, like a real business coach that can help give you tactical assets to measure where you're at, set goals, and figure out how you're going to get to hit those goals. Super, super was helpful for me, for sure. What do you think that the hardest thing was about owning your own business and going through it? Um, the hardest, The hardest part for me was watching a year of my son's life go by um or i guess not watching it go by uh is a better way of putting it so like we said time yeah you know like yes we have freedom of time but some people might say you don't because you're working all the time um i mean i would work during during the day and then I'd get home in the evening, and I would work at night. I would deal with client emails or calls or whatever. And you know, uh, we had my wife had our son in October 2021, and I got to like uh, July, basically July August of 2022. And he wasn't quite a year at that point, but you know, I was like, oh my gosh nine, 10 months have gone by and I've just been heads down, yeah. you know, and I'm, and I was there for the big moments, you know, like when we started walking, I was there, but like I was, but like you were, I wasn't really mentally fully present. Cause I was thinking about that. I respond to that email to what do I have to deliver? Constantly checking up making sure you're on it, making sure you haven't you know, not answer to client or... Yeah, that was the hardest thing for me. Like, an easy answer would have been sales. Like, sales, ask any person 
who's running their own business, sales is the hardest part. Getting getting money in the pipeline, like that's really hard. Um, and that's an easy answer, but like, yeah, it was just like coming to that realization. It was like definitely like, oh crap. Just knowing that you've been invested in the business and stuff, and then you realize, you know, nine months or ever so has passed, and bam, your kid's already almost one years old. I can always make more money. I can always make more money. I can always start another business. I can always do whatever, but I will never get those nine months back ever again. That is, that's pretty rough. Um, I can, I can relate to that too, though, by, you know, constantly being gone or working every day or like you said, checking up on the clients and seeing, you know, if they want the job still all the time and then realizing I haven't even spent time with my family or stuff like that, which of course this was in the summer, not right now. But, um, yeah, that does kind of get with you, you know, knowing that you haven't saw your kids, your dogs, whatever. I don't have kids, but I'm sure that's very hard. Yeah, no, it, it affects, it affects all that. Um, but just to, just to bring it as like a practical, right? So if somebody came to you, um, today and said, Hey, you know, I've got this side thing going on. I kind of want to like pursue it and maybe turn it into something. What are some key boots on the ground, practical takeaways that you would give them? If someone just came up to me and was like, Hey, I want to start this, you know, whether it's a business or a passion project. Um, I give them a couple tips. First, I would tell them not, not to quit their job that they have. Because like we talked about, having a job when you start your own thing is stability, and you're not going to have stability starting it out. Um, the next thing I'd say is probably stay on it, you know? Stay on it and stay focused on that subject that you want to do or whatever business that you want to create. Stay on it, get dialed in, locked down, and really just do it. Because there's a lot of sidetracks that you can get into and distractions and stuff. But if you if you sit there and you stick with it and you're invested in it, you're going to be successful one day. As long as you put that time, energy, and motivation into it, you will get there one day. It might not be, you know, a couple months. It's probably going to be a couple years down the road. But if you stick with something, you will be successful as long as you're just involved in it and you're not constantly going and hanging out with friends or putting it off. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're destined to be successful because that's, that's one thing that I messed up on. I was having a lot of free time when I did have the business and then, you know, I just kind of wasted it away instead of going out and putting door hangers on people's doors and getting my name out there and networking, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I just tell them, stick with it. Don't waste time. And, yeah, one day you'll be there. What would you say? Yeah, no, that's, all, all that's super good. I'm probably some form of what you said. Like, uh, first thing would be take it slow. Um, don't rush it. Don't put undue pressure on yourself. Um, you know, on average, it takes businesses two to three years yeah. to turn a profit, two to three years, yeah. and takes them seven to 10 to be successful. Yeah. 
Like it's you're playing the long game here. And if you are running a marathon at full speed, you are going to run out of gas. So like start out like just keep it slow and steady. Um I would definitely I would say maybe this is one of the most important things is I would specialize in something. Whatever your industry is, whether it's lawn care, media, or whatever, pick a specialty. Nobody wants a generalist. Um, they want someone that knows it inside and yeah, out. Yeah, think about like if you're getting your, for example, getting your teeth fixed. Like if you're getting uh, implants, dental implants, you're not going to go to a general dentist who cleans or does normal checkups to get dental implants. You're going to go to a dental implant dentist, like someone that specializes in it. Yeah. You don't want to come out looking like the Goonies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to specialize in something. So whatever your industry is, pick a, a, a niche market and double down on it and become the expert. And that's, that's what me and you did. You know, we figured out, we stuck, we worked for somebody and we figured out the ins and outs of what we are pursuing in before launching our own thing. You know, you sat there and you worked for people, you studied it in school, all of that. And like I did, I worked for somebody for two years doing landscaping and paid really close attention on what they did, the prices, the quoting, and all of that stuff, because you want to, you want to be presentable, you know, when you're talking to a client, you don't want to be like, for like exactly what you said, if you go in to get dental implants and someone walks in and you own that business and they're asking you questions that you have no idea about, they're not going to want to hire you at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the last things I would say for somebody who's wanting to get started is I don't, have you heard the term solo solopreneur no so there's like entrepreneur and a solopreneur a solopreneur is somebody who takes on sales they take on production they take on administration's uh responsibilities they wear all the hats and they do everything and if you're a solopreneur it's going to burn you out this is my problem this is where i messed up uh, and this is what I wish somebody would have told me when I was uh, starting and really in, in the thick of everything is solopreneurs try to do everything themselves and you will never grow your business that way. It will never happen because you can only do so much. Um, an entrepreneur, um, there's two terms. There's dull and delegate. Uh, dole means you are giving this to somebody, but you are still the oversight on it. And then there's delegate, which is you're completely giving it to them to run with. And there's aspects of your business where both need to happen. Um, like your finances, delegate that to somebody who's a pro and let them take care of it. Um, when it comes to things that are pertaining to your craft and what you do, you dole that out. A production person that knows what they're doing, but your eyes still hit that at some point along the way. Like, and you get a final QC check or whatever. But you have to start building a team as soon as it makes sense to get people in. 
because uh, you can't do it yourself. When you start building a team, you have to start worrying about more things, though. With that being said, because you don't want to put somebody in charge of going out and looking at something, a project or whatever needs done, and them quoting it completely wrong or or trusting them doing the job. And next thing you know, the customer's complaining and you're you're taking the heat for it. And it's not even your work, but now your business is getting flamed for someone else's work being done. So you kind of got to just watch over the people that you hire and the team that you build. Yeah, well, you, you said it right there, the word, and it's trust. Every business relationship that exists is built and based off of trust. Which that's that's how I've saw tons of businesses fail, is by that, you know, whether it's a partner or someone working for you. So I think trust is probably a huge key in having a good business is finding the right people. I had two people work work with me and they they weren't bad, but like I said, the whole quoting, you got you have to be on that. On one job in particular, I didn't check out the math. Um I gave, you know, him an invoice and then next thing you know, he's calling me, he's like, Yeah great that sounds good well i didn't check over any of it and then next thing you know i'm losing money on the job but you have to stay loyal to your customers and do a good job on that even i know personally my dad when he's flipping houses and things like that he's he's got to be there and seeing what's going on because if you're letting someone flip a house especially and you come in and next thing you know the flooring isn't done right or the drywall i mean there's just so many things to it there's so many things to it. And I'm sure I'm sure on the production side of things too, like what, days worth of editing? If you're making hour video or however long and it's not edited right and you don't watch it over, bam. Then you're getting a text saying, Hey, why does this video look like that? Or why are these pictures not done right? Whatever whatever it is. So I mean, that's that is a huge step. Um, to owning your own business is that sometimes you just don't do business with people. That's another thing. You'll come across some clients, which I'm sure you can relate to that. There are definitely clients out there that are there to get the cheapest deal. Um, they're going to call you back no matter how good the work is. It can be a 20 out of 10 job done, and they're going to call you back, and they're going to say, hey, you need to do this too. And that is that is a very big thing in this business. I had this one guy, uh, big real estate dude, thought he was God's gift to the planet and everything. And he's selling this big house worth a ton of money. And he's like, you know, he comes to me. He's like, hey, I'm trying to sell this super expensive house. I need top-notch video done of it. I need top-notch photos. And, you know, my pricing sheet at that time, uh, I think for what he was asking was like $850 or something. And... I was like, well, we can stay a little longer and we can bring this different equipment and, you know, bump the price up and really give you everything. And it came out to like 1200 And he's like, okay, yeah, 1200 That's what I'm going to pay. He said, that's perfect. I'm willing to pay that. Like, he was enthusiastic about it. And, but, you know, he's just, he's very, like, pompous, though, too, and, like, how he was talking and, like, whatever. And 
wing flags. Yeah, yeah, definitely red flags in the beginning. I'm not gonna go on exactly like what he said and whatnot, but just it was very like God's gift to the planet and everything. Best realtor ever, um, <laughs> ever live. Well, hopefully he's not listening to this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, I really don't care. Um, he said, I really don't care. Yeah, so filmed this house, gorgeous house. We were there for like five or six hours. It was a huge deal, big project. Uh, underpaid at the end of the day, <laughs> to be honest, for how long we were there. Delivered it, and his first response was just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like, this is, I mean, amazing work. This, uh, best video I've ever seen, yada, yada. And I was like, great. And I sent an invoice. Immediate, ch immediate change in tone, you know. It's always, it's, like, it's that feeling after you send the invoice when you're like, oh God. Yeah, well, like this... This is where war begins. I was at the point, thankfully, like I was making clients sign scope of works before, you know, so I don't really care what they think or how they feel about the price. Like he signed it already. And he uh, responded, he was like, now I don't know about 1200. Uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of real estate videos and they, they don't cost this. Dude, it's such a bad feeling when you get hit with that because you know you know what I mean. That feeling you get whenever someone comes back at you like that, and you you know, well, it's because they're it's what, about what to they're go saying down. is you're not worth it. So the great thing though is, it wasn't a fuss because I had him. This is the importance of systematizing your business um, because I wasn't the bad guy. I said, yeah, it. Might sound like a lot of money, which it really wasn't. Twelve hundred bucks. I mean, I had another person there with me. Like we were there for six hours, and we had to edit it. It's not that much money when you break it down hourly. And uh, so it was video and photography. Yeah. So I sent him the scope of work. I was like, "Here's the scope of work that you signed." Yeah. Like what? Like what do you? And he was like, "All right, I guess I'll pay it." Like, of course, I guess I'll you're gonna pay it. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so it's just... Um, that's not, I mean, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, that is still, you know, when you send the invoice over and someone's like, oh, what's this, you know? I mean, I had a ton of that before I sent people scope of works that they had to sign before the fact, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, you delivered it? Okay, that's really good. Actually, I think it's worth $800. Like, the negotiation phase is over. Like that was over. It was over before it started. It's time to pay. Like hand the card over. It is time to pay. <laughs> but you know, you really just got to protect yourself from stuff like that. You got to make, you got to make documents the bad guy. You got to make contracts, scope of works. You got to make that the bad guy, not you. You got to be able to separate your work from yourself. So when somebody comes in, if they truly don't like what you did, and they tell you that, that is a bad feeling. But as much as you can separate that from you as a person, the better. Because you're like, oh, they just they didn't like it. We move on and we get a different client and life goes on. Like you, you gotta be able to separate yourself from the work. Yeah, and you kind of you kind of start filling those people out as soon as you start dealing with them and talking to them, knowing, okay, this person I do not want to do business with, this person I do. Um, I think that is a terrible feeling, especially when you're first starting up. Because when you're first starting up and someone comes to you after you do, you know, a job and it's one of your first jobs and then they do that, it's like, holy shit, what, what do I do? Because it, especially starting it out, you're just like, I have no idea what to do. Like, how do I handle this? 
this is terrible. Like, I want to just quit the business. This is so bad. Um, I think that's one of the worst feelings. And it made me think of this one time. I think another worst feeling when it comes to owning your own business is an awkward conversation. That is the worst. So uh, there was this one time when I went out and quoted a guy for a patio, right? Um, I quoted him, I sent him over an invoice, and that was that. He said he'd get back to me. I was like, okay. Well, we knew each other through this one thing, and I saw him at this little party that he was at, and I was there, and he was there. Well, he looks at me, and he's like, hey, how's it going? Dude. I just completely forgot who he was. Like, Cody, you should have saw my face. I, I, you know, I'm never awkward. But, dude, this was terrible. I felt like crying. He, he looks over at me and he's like, hey, what's going on? I sit there for probably like 10 seconds, just not talking, looking at him. My face, my face got so red. Like, literally so red i started sweating and there's like five other people looking at us as this is happening you know i think i called you after i did this and so finally i'm like hey what's up what's going on what's going on yeah hey what's up uh don't remember who you are so i i sat there in silence i was like what's up and finally something just like you know, snapped, and I was like, oh, hey, like, again, oh, I remember you, but it was so awkward, because he sat there staring at me, and he was just, like, waiting for me to say something, after that, I, I think I went home and cried, I think I went home and sat in my bed and just cried, it was literally so bad, the awkwardness was terrible, I don't know if you've ever had something like that, but I think that that could have been the worst feeling I've had because, you know, it's not over text or any, it, you were in person with a client that you went and quoted a week before and you do not remember them. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a ton of those experiences. It was, it was, I think that's a Kevin special yeah, right there. It was a Kevin special. That was, that was horrific. I think I got, got out of there and I called you, I called my mom I think I called my aunt and I was like, this is insane. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah. So you, you want to remember your clients. That's definitely a big one because you're going to see them out in public, you know? Uh, I, I don't know. That's just, that's definitely a, a terrible feeling though. All right. As we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts on starting your own business or not starting your own business or anything anything pertaining to um i think one other thing that i need to add that's actually pretty important i want to add in there when you go to start up your own business make sure you are good mentally i think that is very important because if you're not if you're not even there mentally to handle that and start it then you should wait and figure yourself out first before you jump into that. Um, do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, 
I just think it's important for a really what your stress management is like. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, definitely gonna be mentally stable and all that and be in a good place, but, um, you know, you might not, you also don't want to get analysis paralysis where you're like, am I ready? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I should start it. If you really want to do the thing, you should start it. Um, but it's going to bring a whole different type of stress that you've never experienced before. And, um, you just have to have healthy stress management, have healthy outlets, um, whatever that looks like, uh, exercising, playing music, whatever, um, have healthy outlets for stress. Um, don't get analysis paralysis, but make sure you figure out, um, a really good way to handle stress. And be sure you got people there to support you too. That's definitely a big thing because you're definitely going to reach out to um, your family, friends, or whatever. You want to be sure that you talk to them about it too and, you know, they're on your side because that that definitely helped me out, out a lot is having people to call and ask questions to. You want to get as much information from people that have fit in your spot as you can you know like I talked to you a lot when starting up my own thing I was like hey what do you think about it and you're like I don't think you could ever succeed you suck you're terrible yeah exactly <laughs> I just tell how it is no but I think I think that is very important is having having the people on your side and yeah you want to you want to stay motivated you don't just want to sit there so um you got anything Anything else to add to that for the first first podcast on Grass is Always Greener? Not really. Make sure all your good clients write reviews. Yes, absolutely. You want to be on Google and you want to have good reviews on, on it, so do a good job. Don't ask the customers that hate you to write reviews. Don't ask them. Yeah, no, don't. Definitely, that's not a smart idea. You want to leave the people that hate you out of it. Don't even tell them you have a Google, matter of fact, so... With that, I think we're going to wrap it up, and um, I appreciate you all listening to the first podcast. I know this might not be the best audio for the first one, but we're going to work on that. So, uh, yeah, listen to the next podcast. It'll be out next week. Thanks for listening, and this is Grass is Always Grainer. Till next time.